brought to you by Audible. Go to paulthebookguy.com slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. Ah, Paul the Book Guy. And it's Labor Day, and we are recording in the morning. How's it going, lads? Not too bad, Paul. Managed to make it in this morning. I am very well. Oh, just so uh, for new listeners, my name is Paul Alves. Paul the Book Guy. I'm Greg Ott. Greg Ott. I'm Chris Jager. Chris Jager. There you go. Now people know our names. Yeah, we didn't have the jingles last week. <laughs> That's right. We didn't. No. But we'll I missed them. I miss them. My yeah, kids like them. Yeah, the kids like the jingles. You know, we want the, uh, you know, and the theme song. We got to keep that stuff in so the Carrick's children can dance around, do their routine, right? Coffee and jingles is what we need this morning. Normally we do this on a late afternoon and uh, we missed our recording last regular recording session. That's because right. of my party. Because of your party. Yes. I had a party for my last day at work here. So that was, uh, so now I'm uh, officially a student and going back to school for a new career. And thanks for the party, boys. But sorry, we yeah, had to. And, and just, just to make it clear for our listeners, when Greg is referencing the, the shop we work in, not, not the podcast, he will be back no, next no, no. week, yeah, we yeah. hope. I'm here. We don't right. call this work. We call this fun. That's this right. Is fun. Yeah. It is fun. What are we, what's on your nightstands or your Kindles or? Right. I finished the Millennium series. I'm on to the Jane Lynch memoir about halfway through that. It's really, uh, it's whimsical. It's introspective. She's a little bit, it's a, she's an awesome character. Uh, she's very similar in her early years to her character, Sue Sylvester on the show. So okay. it's, it's almost like reading the Sue Sylvester autobiography or, or memoir. <laughs> so um, I got that still reading uh, when I get, a couple minutes in the bathroom, I get uh, the Kobo app on my iPhone reading the uh, Van Halen thing and almost done the Third Reich, the Rise and Fall of the Third Reich in audio. Oh, no, have they, avoid, uh, they evaded Poland yet? or Oh, they've, they've defeated France. Uh, they're, asking for, they're asking for an armistice with uh, England. Things are happening. <laughs> it doesn't work out well in the it's end. Starting to get to rolling. <laughs> yeah, if you, if I stopped right now, it's not it's for Germany. All, I mean. Yeah, if I stopped right now, it'd be really awesome for Germany. But um, I, I just know that this isn't going to work out well. You can feel it, Hank. I can feel it. Yeah, yeah I, I finished the uh, A Stolen Life by J.C. Ducard, which uh, I believe Chris did as well. We'll, we'll be chatting about that. Yeah, soon. we'll talk about that. It was kind of a hard read, but uh, I'm in the middle of the Doorstopper that is Area 51. Did you actually <laughs> wade into that one? I, I am knee deep into it. Uh, I bought the audiobook for the nice. Uh, we got a, a copy of the it's nonfiction, right? The, uh, it's still up for grabs, Greg. Still up okay. for grabs. We're going to determine that when it uh, when when I'll bring it to the table next week. Paul, get a bit further into it, and, and then we'll. That's right. I want to finish the book before I can declare it as nonfiction. But what is it classified as? Is it? Is it, it is classified as non as a nonfiction story. Yes, officially history. It's, okay. it's a history. I just want to give my you know get my own opinion on that before I uh, play the right jingle. And my uh, my stand my book stands pretty clear at the moment. I've got to uh, find. I got to get a new lineup going. Uh, I read the J.C. Dugard also this week, and and as we'll talk about shortly, it was is a bit tough, and I sort of felt like I wanted to sort of sit clear my palate. So I actually haven't read anything since that, or started anything since. But um, the pile here is huge, so it's just a matter of you know walking into the warehouse and pulling some stuff off the shelves. So I'll have a full nightstand for next week. Excellent. I've also, I also this week read uh, The Handbook for Lightning Strike Survivors by Michelle Youngstone, and I'll be bringing that to a little chat about that to the table soon as well. So I believe, Greg, you've got a book to start off with. Fiction. 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 I'd like to talk about the Millennium series by Stieg Larsson. 
most people know it as the girl with the dragon tattoo, the girl who played with fire, and the girl who kicked the hornet's nest. As most of you know, I've been reading this for quite a few weeks, I think since the podcast started, so now it's, uh, it's taking me about eight or nine weeks to get through all three books. It is uh, altogether about 12, uh, sorry, 2,200 pages, and it was a slog. It was hard to get through. Uh, I've told you this before, that it felt like I was being assaulted by an Ikea catalog. Uh, I feel that I would have gotten, I would have done a lot better had I known something about Swedish politics, because it is very evident that the writer Stieg Larsson was a political journalist. Politics weighs very heavily in his writing, but not in the, not in the storyline. It sounds like you had to force yourself through this series. I really and, did. And Chris mentioned last week, there's nothing wrong with pulling the parachute, jumping out the side of the book. I, I read the first one, and right. I, I said, quite frank, I was going to abandon it. I wasn't going to go. I don't remember the first book being that political. He got more political as the he series got, went on? He got far more political. In two and three, and I just want to say, in all fairness, two and three could very well have been one book. In fact, at the end of two, there was such a, a cliffhanger that there's no way you couldn't read three. Right. Um, the events of two just folded into three. If you stopped reading after two, that wouldn't have been fair either. I had to read three to bring the whole thing to conclusion. I still didn't find it very satisfying. Um, if you could sound the cloister bell now, that'd be really awesome because I don't want to hold anything back on this one. And for those of you, I'm, I'm going to give a couple spoilers here. Do the clean synopsis. Clean synopsis is book one. You, it, it, book one is a clean book. It's, it's about, it's the uh, closed door mystery about trying to, f- uh, closed room mystery, trying to find a, a lost child from the 1960s. Okay. Simple elegant it works out straight ahead mystery straight ahead not not a problem with that one number two is all about the actual uh, about Elizabeth Salander the girl with the dragon tattoo you find out a lot more about her her past her parents uh, other relatives that she has there's uh, a triple murder that she's basically accused of and obviously you know as as the reader you know that she didn't do it but uh, it's how she gets out of this jam, how she helps uh, Michael Blomkrest, the other main character, uh, how she helps him solve the murder without being anywhere around because she's being hunted by the police. And there's this whole political backstory about how uh, there was spies from Russia, who, it was a particular spy from Russia who came to Sweden and she holds the key to blow this whole political uh, time bomb up in in the in the government's face and to expose basically the the entire swedish secret service international intrigue then in the second one intrigue is a little bit it's not very intriguing i'm giving it too much credit yeah <laughs> intriguing <laughs> to say it's intriguing is is it's it's very well it's just laid out for you it, there's nothing really to guess my gripes about this are this. If you're a Swedish, you probably have a lot better references for this. You would understand the political references. You would understand the geographical references. And I just did not. And I, I've read several reviews on Goodreads, and that's the number one gripe that people have. is just the pacing of it is really slow, um, and it's hard to gr- get any sort of grasp of where you are and why people are doing things when you don't particularly understand one of the things that I had a hard time with was every single character in the second and third book 
is introduced with a biography. And you guys said this before. You said, show it, don't tell, tell it. it. Right. And he tells it every time. Every minor character got a full biographical introduction, including marital status, political affiliation, childhood history, and it just became... See, that's the kind of thing a writer w- would write down as, as part of notes for a novel, just so he knows it himself and can put it into the novel later. Like, it, it doesn't make sense having, having this before each character well, introduction. We know that Stieg Larsson passed away after handing in the manuscripts, and I wonder how many more steps in the, in the editing process would have been there had he not passed away. Like, I wonder if these were the final, final manuscripts or if they basically just said, well, this is all we got because these guys dead. I got, I got one more suggestion on that front, um, and I'm only trying to give the author the benefit of the doubt here. Um, I mean, we like it, Paul and I like it, you like it when the author shows, doesn't tell, but right. is he messing with some narrative convention here? Like, is, he, is this perhaps purposeful? He's doing this, you know, specifically to, 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 start to play off, with a convention of a novel? To start off so many chapters. it sounds like it was pretty overt. Yeah, to start off so many chapters by saying, you know, so-and-so was 43. When he was 15, his parents were, it belonged to this particular political party. He voted for this guy in 1968. So, he voted for this guy in 1972. So not, not relevant to the story, and mostly? The, the, the other thing I want to say about the political affiliations is it, they really have no bearing on the story. <laughs> he brings politics up so frequently and yet... It doesn't drive the story. It doesn't draw the story. Maybe, maybe it does if you're Swedish. Maybe, you know, maybe that is a touchstone if you happen to live in Sweden and you, oh, I, I voted for that guy too, you know. But for international readers, I don't get it. Another gripe that I have is the third book, I hope you sounded the cloister bell, because the third book, The Girl with the Dragon Freaking Tattoo, doesn't do anything. Nothing. The only thing she does is she sleeps with a bunch of guys at the beginning of book two. Then she does some stuff in book two, the thing, the stuff, the murder, the mystery. She spends most of book three in the hospital. And at the end, she gets out. She goes to Gibraltar, screws another couple bunch of guys for no particular reason. And, and then that's it. So and then, oh, and then does some Superman, Superman, like at the end of the book, she does a Superman thing where she should have a cape. She defeats someone that she should never be able to physically even come close to, um, comparing to, and then the book's over. So the character's not consistent. The character's not consistent. The, other, the main character, the, the dude, Michael Blomkrest, all he does is sleep with every woman. Oftentimes, an author will write their hero as their perfect self. Right as their projected perfect self, and Stieg, here's what I think: Stieg Larsson wrote Michael Blomkrest, another, <laughs> an, another journalist. This is a heavy as, charge to make. <laughs> I'm just okay, but the I guy think didn't he get just late enough. <laughs> guy, guy didn't get late enough. <laughs> okay, no, what I'm saying is he. This guy slept with every female character in the book that was deemed even remotely attractive. So is this maybe like an indictment of journalists in general? Like maybe this is his. You know, he's pointing his finger at his own profession, saying that these guys are a bunch of scoundrels. Yeah, it's possible. Well, I have to take—I have to count to three and, and take a breath, and just because uh, constant readers, I just don't understand why this series was so popular. That's just, in a nutshell, I just there. If you incoherent, can find an, incoherent characters, if you can find three other books to put together, 
that would be a better use of your time. This is a long series and it's not very fulfilling at the end. I have one, one question for you about the series. Um, in general, I find artists, um, movies, film, have difficulty dealing with technology, um, computers, cell phones, uh, text messaging. How do you write that stuff, right? I mean, writing, right. writing is the best when characters interact with each other, but we spend in modern day so much of our lives interacting Texting, with email, each other right. through electronic medium. So I found in the first Millennium Series book uh, that he, uh, he dealt with technology... Elizabeth Salander character in the first book is is a is a hacker, um, and a much of the the discovery about the murder happens sort of through technological methods. I f- I felt that he dealt with the technology well in the story. Did that carry through to the other novels, or did that just disappear altogether? There's a very good use of the technology. The one thing that I was doing when I was reading through is I thought, you know, this this might date the book really poorly like come two three years he's very specific he's very specific about the devices that he and she uses and when you come back to this book maybe three four years like right now i can see that you know it's already two three years and it was and it's already and it's okay yeah aged a little bit but in three four five more years you'd come back and you look at some of the devices that she uses and say wow you couldn't do that with that or could you still do that? Like it just—it's going to date very poorly. Books date themselves when characters ride horses and wagons, right? But right. I suppose that things are just moving so quickly now that things right. Age but you can—you can, can be quickly. vague and just say he pulled out his personal assistant and. You know, I don't know. I, know. I, think, I think this is a struggle that authors have to deal with today. He's or very modern sp- authors. He's very specific in the types of, in, in the types of cell phones that they use. They use right. Like Completely they use very specific Nokia model numbers. They use very specific uh, Palm. Uh, okay. device numbers, very specific Mac uh, PowerBook numbers. If I can make another example here, um, my nieces have watched Seinfeld, the Seinfeld series, and they just shake their heads and say, all of these episodes can be solved with a cell phone. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, right. Yeah, I guess she, they couldn't watch uh, Three's Company then, could they? Well, but that's different because that doesn't, I, I doesn't well. try to portray itself as, as sort of modern, right? I mean, that's, that's clearly slapstick. Uh, but they all shake each other's head, look at us and go, why don't these people just have cell phones? And I'm just, right. wow, you know, every yeah. episode could pretty much be solved. You know, they're stuck in the movie theater. So when I was reading Lar- Steve Larson, I was the first one, I was thinking, wow, he's dealing with technology in an, uh, in an interesting way and he's using it to drive the plot and he's, it's you know, more or less coherent. So he, he does carry it forward. He does move that theme forward. Um, yeah, but yes, he does. everything else just... Treats it well. The two main characters don't see each other for a book and a half. It's, it's mid-second book that they see each other for... But they're communicating, the aren't they? Reluctantly, she's communicating with him throughout the, sec- the third book. Okay, it didn't I'm sorry. It didn't, <laughs> uh, like I said, constant readers, I'm very sorry. I'm going to come back to you guys with a book that I can really recommend, that I love, and I'm going to expound all the virtues of it. But this one's not it. You're done with it. You I'm can put done it with away. this. I'm I'm glad to say that I, I I I slogged through it. It's done. I don't recommend it. I believe this falls under the category taking one for the team. That's right. We read crappy books, so you don't you have don't to. have to. Book news. Very interesting uh, development this week. Amazon released a beta project that they're calling at author. At author is a 
a program that allows you to use your Kindle device to highlight articles in certain authors' books or words, phrases, whatever you happen to want to highlight. And then on your Kindle device, you type at author and you can ask the author a question using uh, basically harnessing Twitter. Amazon will then forward that Twitter message on to the author. And if the author responds to it, it becomes part of the notes page for that book. <laughs> All right. That's interesting. Well, it, it's okay, first of all, it's not going to the author. It's going to the author's agent. Right, or their <laughs> Twitter so? account. No, it goes to Twitter. Okay, so uh, let me give on. you an example. Try, try Twittering any famous author right now with a message about a book. Well, first off, these and, aren't... And you keep waiting for your response. These aren't A-list authors just yet. They are mostly famous authors. They have 15 initial authors. Timothy Ferris, Marie Force, Barbara Freethe. Oh, so this doesn't apply across the board. It's not across the board just yet. Okay. Okay. But hold on. What happens is if you have a question, of, like say for instance, this does, this does go through, okay? And you do have a King novel, okay? Right. You have a question about any of his products. You type at author and you ask a question in regards to something that you kind of picked at. You say, well, this just doesn't make sense to me. What, what were you thinking here? Okay. Right? Amazon sends it off to Stephen King. Stephen King sits there for a couple of weeks. One of these days, he goes through his Twitters from Amazon and says, I'm going to answer this one. He answers that particular question, or maybe other people had the same question, right? He answers it. Okay. It becomes part of the notes of that book. That's it. That's, that's the, the, the novel part about for this. For everybody can, to see. And anyone can contact authors now through their websites, and the authors mostly don't spend you know, their time answering stupid questions from readers because they're too busy writing the next book. Here's the next thing. But the, the immediacy of this lends people to just fly questions off with no good reason. There's no sort of okay, forethought. So I mean, it, time once was you'd sit down and write something. So, right? they, so the author doesn't have to respond to all of them. And if you and I... I wouldn't even think they're going to read them. But, it, but they're coming from Amazon, and they've already signed up for the program. It's not, these aren't unsolicited. They have to sign up for the program. They, they're basically agreeing that they're going to, they're going to weigh the Amazon twi tweets have more heavily than things that come from anybody else's accounts. See, when, when you were explaining this, I, I was thinking, well, this is going to be more beneficial to, to uh, you know, lesser-known authors who have the time you know, and, and want to respond and, and can get you know, into their community but they're only starting with 15 authors and probably not small authors as well? They're not, they're small-ish. I, myself personally, I don't recognize too many of these names. Uh, for a full list, you can go to Amazon.com and uh, check out their at author page. Um, they have 15 initially. They're going to just see how this works. Uh, they have to forward the the uh, tw the tweets. And I don't know if there's going to, they have someone who, there who's doing it manually or if this is an automatic process. I, so, I would I would guess that this would be easy enough to implement automatically. I don't see that they would hire on a, you know staff to. But no, no one answers the phone at Amazon, really. I bet you interns come cheap, and I bet you they have interns oh, this screen is true these too. things. That's, that's and I, true. I liked your idea, Paul, where if something comes up consistently, that might get passed on to the author. Right. Or right. if they, or, or if the author is consistently getting the same type see? of question, yes. Then you that know I that's can, something that they may want to clarify. That I can see. You know. It might help uh, aspiring writers if they're reading somebody's work and they want to un understand the writing process or what somebody's inspiration was for a particular passage or, or phraseology. Okay, let's let's take the reader side of this. Now, let's say that you've you've used this service and you've you know you have a genuine question about and you've used the ad author thing and there's no reply. 
Right. What do you do? do you It'll keep, be disheartening. Do you get up? Yeah. Do you get up every morning and fire it off again? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting. It's it's another way for yes. authors and readers to uh, communicate with each other. It creates community, and it can also create a a catalog of information in re- in regards to a There's certain a, book. A wiki type aspect. Exactly to it. a yeah. wiki type, but it's going to be encapsulated in that book. So right. and other people who download that book, read that book on their Kindle device, will have access to the questions and answers. Right. So also. Um, other readers can read your tweets to the author and answer the questions themselves. Now they don't become part of the official. But you would get an answer. You would get it. You could get an answer from another reader. From this another this is starting to sound to me like Twitter. This is starting to sound. Well, like this already Twitter. exists. It's called Twitter. No. Yeah, but it's Twitter linked to that book. Okay. Inside so, inside Amazon's garden. Right. Right. So inside the, the Amazon walled garden. Speaking of Amazon's garden, we also have the Amazon new tablet. Uh, a lot of the rumors were confirmed by uh, Arrington over at TechCrunch. I'll, I'll run down the list here of uh, good stuff about it. And initially, I was, I, I, my first article on the site was, this is going to be a great, hold off and buy in Kindle, this is going to be a great tablet. Seven inch full color screen, which is a pretty good size for a book. Resolution. Touch as well. Resolution, anybody? Uh, we don't have a number we on... We don't okay. have that. All right. All right. It's two-finger multi-touch, so not as good as the iPhone or iPad or iOS or you know, anything like that, but two fingers is enough to do what you, know, what you need to do on an e-reader. Uh, no camera, uh, six gigabyte of storage space, which is a little light. Uh, on the plus side, user interface uses the same uh, style as the Amazon Kindle app, which I find really good. Expandable memory? Uh, negative. At this point, it looks like it's built-in six gigabyte flash chip, which is, keeps the price down keeps to two hundred and fifty dollars. Um, now, on the negative side, it runs a modified version of Google's Android operating system, which uh, kind of walls the garden off in a really bad way, so that this device will only play Kindle, books, Amazon Music, and Amazon Video. So no Android apps, no EPUB, right? No EPUB, no PDFs. No EPUB, no, no, oh. no. Uh, the Kindle, the Kindle app plays EPUBs. Okay. I'm not sure how you're going to get them on this device if it's loud or get not. Them on, yeah. Now it seems that recently that the walled garden of iOS is quickly becoming the open platform versus the Android platform. Because my iPad, I can read Barnes and Noble books, I can read Kindle books, I can install Stanza, which we're going to talk about a little later. Uh, there's all different kinds of apps. Different books from different publishers, different bookstores. Is there a browser so, on it? So yeah. For an, yeah. Is there a browser? Can you get your email? What? Well, not confirmed yet. Uh, they are confirming this. at this point. You cannot add any Android apps. But then again, at a $250 price point, don't get me wrong, you're not going to be using the top 20 half Android the apps. But there, yes. Half but of these apps won't run on a $200 tablet. But they're calling this a t- to call this a tablet, you would expect that you would have a browsing experience and the email. ability to send in right. receive email. Right, and that's why I'm carrying the iPad because it's my, I have the iPad 1. It's rather heavy. It's a little bit cumbersome for reading because of the weight, but... <laughs> rather it, heavy. Get off. But it's... Um, <laughs> so you have to try the iPad too. It's a lot lighter. It's, it's like, a lot lighter. But... Uh, but it's my email machine, it's my web browser, I have games on it, I have my uh, Evernote is linked to it. And if I have to carry a separate device just for reading, 
Then if I have to carry another five, like four, three pound device, I'd rather carry around another charger. See, I highly doubt right. that. I'd rather just carry a paperback then. I highly doubt that even by calling this a tab, by calling something a tablet, you have to have those things. I mean, even the BlackBerry Playbook eventually had the ability to get an app that yeah, they just recently to, added just yeah, the ability to, email to, and, to and check the your own email. But but it, by just saying that it's a, it's a tablet means that you have to have that functionality. Otherwise, it's not a tablet. Now, Barnes & Noble tried this. And I think this, I, that, that's why I'm saying that I think this Android does have those functionalities it does. built in. It has to. Otherwise, they can't call right, it but not if, Otherwise, not it's still an e-reader. Not if you're locked out with, through the firmware. But you're locked out through the firmware. So mo- the, the average user is not going to be able to do that. It, there's nothing in this article that says that it's not in there, and I'm saying that by t- calling it a tablet, that it is going to have, at the very least, the basic functionality of browsing and email, okay. even if the author failed to itemize that specifically in the, in the now, thing. Now, but Barnes & Noble tried this. By the way, they had a we're quite huge willing to test rate. these devices for you. Oh, yeah. Bar- That's if you right. guys want to sound this one more. Well, Bar- Barnes & Noble had a huge return rate on their tablet when people discovered that they couldn't, it wasn't really an Android tablet. They couldn't install Android apps. So they had to quickly turn around and open up the, the system and allow their users to use the machine they bought. Right. And it wasn't very long after they released the Color Nook that people started putting up uh, websites instructing people on how to hack it. Jailbreak. Jailbreak it, right? right? And I've got a website up here with just 17 quick and easy steps. Uh. <laughs> Only 17. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only 17. And I'm going to tell you that if you're not familiar with computers, this may not be the easiest thing. I'm, when right. I, it's yeah, very could... sarcastic, but it's doable. For, so for $250, I can go get a Barnes & Noble Color Nook and, and have a functional Android tablet. Right. You can, maybe. I can. Yes. Yes. Not the I average am, user. I am good with computers. Not your grandmother. Not my right. grandmother. No, so, my grandmother's so, not hacking her nook. So I'm still sticking with either <laughs> buy. <laughs> so, so grandma should either buy a, a dedicated Kindle, which is relatively easy to use, or... Maybe she might want to hack her nook. <laughs> you know. is it, but okay, the Amazon tablet, there's already furor going on about this, and it's a pre-release, this is a pre-release review. Is it not conceivable that they might just take the skin off of this Android, uh, this Android operating system, and allow it to uh, be fully functional? Or do you think that they have to keep that on there in order to keep the two hundred fifty dollars price point? If they want to move units, they no, got to take that. They're, skin, they're, they're, take that garden. they're trying to keep uh, other bookstores' books off their thing. Other, they're they're trying to. This is basically they're trying to create a, a mini monopoly. They're trying to keep stanza out of it you know where, whereas like I said with iOS everyone when it first started they said oh this is awful it's, it's, it's a closed garden but I can get music from other sources onto my iPhone I can get other books other than iBooks onto my iPhone you know it's, it's, it's Am- not locked down in that respect Amazon's not stupid I think they're going to figure this out before they release this and they're also going to take into consideration they've been looking around the Barnes and Noble Nook that the, the Nook travesty, the 70% return rate, they've got to see that and understand that this is something that they're not going to follow. Yeah, they have it's to start not, learning yeah. from other companies' mistakes. They're not ignorant you know? of that. They're not ignorant. They're not stupid people. They've made a bajillion dollars because they're smart. And I'm sure that this is going to come to market with some sort of functionality that will make it uh, good a good value for the $250 that it is. Hi, everyone. This is Donna Carrick, author of The First Excellence, Falling's Map. And you're listening to Paul the Book Guy. Paul the Book Guy. 
Books on film and television. All right, we uh, got some news about the Man of Steel. I the saw Man your story there. It was pretty good. You like Man of Steel. Let's just say for the record, everybody that... Not super- that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, right. no, I like, I like women. Greg, thanks. Well, no, the Man of Steel is, is Paul's favorite. It's Paul's the only- more likely to sleep with Doctor Who than Superman, I think. Really? Show him your tattoo. <laughs> only if Doctor Who is to regenerate into a woman. Do you have a Doctor Who tattoo? Not yet. Not yet. No, there's the Superman tattoo. All right, All right so there we go. Paul does it's hidden have- under the... Under yeah. the sleeve. Under the sleeve. So, Mr. Alves does have a... Polish su- Superman. Polish Long story. <laughs> we'll tell that story another day. Don't drink the coffee in the morning. <laughs> That's an inside uh, joke for his, his trip to Poland. But there's a couple of new pictures released from the Man of Steel uh, movie that's coming out next year. Henry Cavill is uh, now... Who? Who? Yeah, well, Henry, I, I, Henry Cavill. I bet you no one's going to say who after that movie comes no, out. once that movie comes out, he's a handsome man. We know I'm Canadian. Uh, is he a Canadian actor, or was he just part of the Tudors? He's part of the Tudors. Yes, he was in the Tudors series. I'm not sure. I'll come back to you on whether he's Canadian. New pictures basically showing that he is definitely going to be wearing the DC Comics re-released, the, the new 52 uniform. Uh, it's basically putting his underwear on the inside of his pants. He's going to be right. wearing. So there's no more red underwear and yellow belt. It now has the, uh, he has blue it's underwear. A u- it's a unitard. It's a unitard with a red belt. Right. So that's it. And uh, there's a couple of pictures there where he's not wearing a cape. We're it, not it sure exactly what It looks more like armor at this point. There's a lot of uh, seams visible. It looks thicker. It looks and he's got a like, collar like he's a Marine Yeah, man. he's got a really, he's got a, like a mock, a mock neck type well, of thing. Well, it's, right? it's, 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 yeah. uh, they designed it after Marine's uniform. Okay. Uh, so a, a lot of the, um, the Justice League now has these military type body colors. armor tops. Flash has that now too. I was looking at yes. the, the concept art for the new Flash, and he has that as well. Yeah, I, I just read the Justice League reboot number one. It's an it's an armor thing. It's it's kind of like Iron Man of Steel now. It's indestructible too now, right? Which makes sense. Right. You know, he's, he's, said in that. the comic books, he's getting hit by nuclear missiles, and yet this Kryptonian cloth is uh, you know it's he's not naked. He should be naked after a nuclear should've, missile. Should have burned hits off, him. you know. But uh, it looks makes more sense now that it looks like alien armor. Okay, some of these pictures. We're gonna start arguing continuity in comic books now. Oh. <laughs> Are you not into that, Chris? That I'm just, I'm just yeah, making jokes. Big, I'm just making big jokes. comic book fan over here. Um, again, some of the pictures don't have a cape, so there's some speculation around the table and on the internet as to whether or not he's going to have a cape. CGI. Or it's going to be CGI, or there's going to be events in the film that make it so that his cape is ripped off, torn off, burned off, whatever it happens to be. But there are pictures out there on the interwebs. Or where his cape's an alien life form, you know, kind of like a pet. I'm, I'm always going with, if you watch The Incredibles, the, uh, the, costume, the costume lady, I can't remember her name, wonderful little character, and she goes through a little montage of why none of her... None of her costumes have capes. <laughs> <laughs> they all get sucked into, like, airplanes and things like that. So... I, I like my character. I like my superheroes without capes, but <laughs> that's it. Uh, Henry Cavill was born in uh, Jersey, by the way. Jersey, not Canada. Jersey, Canada. <laughs> uh, Under the Dome. Stephen King and Steven uh, Spielberg will be collaborating to bring. I believe we had a police detective come on the show and and deem the. We did. So it was uh, Under the Dome. That was Bobby Hobbs, good friend of the podcast. Good friend of the podcast. Under the Dome by Stephen King will be coming to the small screen. It has been uh, determined that this is a 
Dangerous Weapon. Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. Okay, so Under the Dome is going to be coming to the small screen done by Stephen King and Steven Spielberg. Nice. Uh, Under the Dome, basically the premise is a small main town is upheaved by the fact that it is surrounded by a force field all of a sudden and mysteriously and all of a sudden and what happens to the inhabitants when they're cut off from the rest of the world right I, I've read it and it's it's an interesting premise and, and he executes it really well you, you take this for lack of a better word fucked up small town with like this before the dome got there right and it's bad enough as it is where when people can still just drive away from this place and then throw a you know big gigantic invisible dome over it you know Simpsons did it. Simpsons, yeah, and the Simpsons did it. Now you had a story, like basically these scripts were coming. They were together. They were the, uh, the Stephen they, King. They had, were developed uh, at the same time. I believe the the book was already released as the movie was in production. But the, the, like these are just two things that happened simultaneously. So two people had the exact right. same idea. Right. Well, and it's not the exact same idea. Yeah. Well, I guess you could call Springfield an effed up small town. But well, yeah. I mean, and, <laughs> but the, and, the Simpsons addressed that in a later episode where. Uh, Mr. Burns, uh, he, he becomes semi-forgetful, and he says, uh, Smithers, we could cover the town in a small dome. And you expect, you know, you expect Smithers to say, well, you've already done it, Mr. Burns. He, but he, he pulls out a, like, full-color copy of Stephen King's in the dome and says, Stephen King already did it. So, you know, they get the humors, you know. There's no spider pig in Under the Dome, though. So, i got to say, there are some differences. Spider pig. Spider pig. <laughs> Can he swing from a web? No, he can't, because he's, he's a pig. Comic books, comic books, comic books. Comic books, comic books. All right, uh, DC Comics, the juggernaut of comic books, is set to release, re-release and relaunch all of its 52 characters, starting with the Justice League America this week. Yes. So here's the plan. They're going to re-release all of its 52 characters, New costumes, new backstories, new, in some cases, new enemies. And they're going to do that over the next uh, year or so. Uh, but they started off with, with what they're going to call their classic characters, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, Flash, Batman, Flash, nice. and Cyborg. Nice. All re-released in what they're calling Justice League America volume uh, number one. Now, uh, looking at some of the changes, because I just finished reading the first one. It looks like they're gearing this to... They're trying to keep catch up with Marvel and bring these characters to a point where they're ready for the big screen. I'll give you an example. Flash's costume has now been Iron Manized, sort of like Superman's is. It's, it's, it looks more like armor. Looks like marine body armor. And it's got yeah. all these uh, the sort of seams going through it. And the seams start to glow the faster he goes. And then they get this like electricity ripple around them. Uh, from red all the way to white hot. And I'm just sitting there going, yeah, for a comic book, we already had the streaking lines behind him. This is definitely geared towards a movie, CG. A, where, visual, a visual effect. Right, where when this guy is going fast, it's going to look pretty cool on screen. I, I See, I wonder what they're going to do with, with Green Lantern, because they, they just released the Green Lantern Right, I'm going to have to reboot movie. him again. Are you going to reboot him? <laughs> right. And, and they're saying that there's a Green Lantern 2 already in pre-production. Didn't, didn't Green Lantern bite it in the... Theater too, or did that do well? And it did not do well. Well, no, the Green Lantern, well. they can always kill him off and you know give the ring to someone else, and that's a quick switch, you know. But if you know that you're doing a re a release of him, why would you allow the the this, movie the, to the be second movie to go into? Well, why would you allow the well, first no, one? No one, there's the being released. One, right. it was no one released. was steering the ship at DC, is what it looked like. Whereas Marvel, Disney, 
there was some steering going on at the top. Well, maybe when they green lighted the the green lantern, green lighted the Green Lantern movie, uh, uh, they had not they had not started production of the new Fifty Two. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So maybe by the time they were in production, it was. But too I late. still don't understand how they didn't squash that, though. I mean, just there, to, there should be a five year plan somewhere. Right. Should have. Marvel's got a five year plan. Marvel's yeah, exactly. I think Marvel's got a ten year plan. But not not obviously not DC Comics. If Mar- Marvel is signing Green these, these actors to like five sequels. Wasn't uh, was it seven for um, what's his name? Uh, Junior Robert Downey Jr. signed seven. Yes, something like that. Well, he's, he's got a bunch of Iron Man's he's left in. Iron he's Man's, got he's Avengers got... coming up. Right. So there you go, DC Comics, trying, struggling. <laughs> the Think Geek item of the week from ThinkGeek.com. Each week that we remember to do so, we uh, offer up an item from uh, thinkgeek.com over at paulthebookguy.com slash thinkgeek. And uh, Greg's got a pick for us this week. One of our favorite toys from the past that they still have available on ThinkGeek. It's called the Annoyatron. Now, they've come up with Annoyatron too, but here's the premise of this thing. It is a small electronic device with a magnet on it. It's very thin and easy to disguise and hide. And basically, this thing has a little speaker, a little magnet, a little battery, and it lets out a, an evil sort of... And a short circuit board. That a small circuit board. And it gives out a high-pitched high buzz at random intervals from five minutes <laughs> to half an hour. And I have some very good stories about my applications for the Annoyatron. I will say that it can get you in trouble, and it could. You have to be very careful because you could get right. you could incur someone else a lot of money. We were lucky in two occasions. Yeah, we we almost got a bill from from one of them at least. Yeah, we had a friend. We put it into uh, former detective Bob Hobbs's. You, you may remember, car. remember him as the gentleman who assessed the lethality of uh, Under the Dome by Stephen King. Right. So we had this thing here at uh, Book Mountain, and Paul hid it in his car, and the only magnetic, <laughs> the only metal portion of the interior, which was his steering column. Right. Under- so I had, to, I had to like dig in. I was trying to get it on the dashboard, but you know, American cars nowadays are all plastic and, and glass, right? So he- I had to get deep in there he never yeah, would have found no that. he would have never found. he ended up taking that to a mechanic <laughs> he kept hearing this like electronic buzzing noise and <laughs> and uh we were we were basically one step away from ha- incurring a, like a three thousand dollar bill yeah luckily he took it to uh, our friend eric who and when they discovered it who else could it be but us the, right. the pranksters right so we also had another occasion where we uh put it in someone's computer now again that per- again i'm gonna say this person whose computer we put it in is a computer genius. He was able to rip apart his own computer. Had that been someone else, they probably would have taken it to Geek Squad right. and we could have been on, on the hook for uh, a, a bit of money. But it is a, it's a tremendous amount of fun. It's a really great prank. It's only $10 and uh, um, it, uh, we loved it. it. It's a lot of fun. I still have it. I'm looking for my next, uh, next in fact, victim. I, I have my next victim in mind, but it's, it's a short trip, so I have to wait. Uh, I'm looking at the, the you're, you keep talking about the, the 2.0. I haven't really looked at this, but uh, it's got some different, like the, the, the Annoyatron has like a buzz, a, a, a clicking sound, you know, kind of Just vague, the two vague high items. Pitch, the two high pitch. A high pitch. Yeah, there's two alternating high now, pitch. Hang on, buzzes. for only $3 more, for twelve ninety nine, the Annoyatron 2, these are the following noises that it does. A 15 kilohertz, which is called a teen buzz tone. It's a noise that young folks can hear, but older folks can't. And that one plays at full volume on the unit. 
So if you want to annoy the younger people in your life, much like they annoy you, this is one good way. There's a cricket chirping at medium to low volume. Oh, that's horrible. Is instant messaging doorbell at low, low volume. A grating electronic noise at full volume and your typical electronic, you know, random electronic beep at medium volume. It's, you could drive someone nuts oh, with yeah. this. They also, hours, <laughs> hours of enjoyment. Hours of enjoyment. They also have one that is a Christmas ornament. Oh, brilliant. Oh. Merry Christmas. Hang out on someone's tree. Yeah. What, what, so, is, what kind of sounds does that thing make? Uh, it makes uh, the same types of noises. It has a beep, a mosquito, a Christmas cricket, and an elf giggle. Oh, is that like? Do you have to like plant it on the person's tree, or yeah, is it, is it, it looks labeled? Like a, is it, it no? It's just it looks like a regular. Oh, so you could just give ornament. it to them and have them plant their own Toyotron. That's you could awesome. Probably even just hang it there, and they wouldn't even notice it. It's a nice I think looking. That would bulb. be the strategy. You show up at the party and just right discreetly deposit an extra yeah. ornament on the tree. Well, our, our neighbor here at work too. He keeps uh, placing a lot of his stuff in front of our unit, and once for a whole week, I uh, I stuck a different item, which maybe we'll talk about next week. Next week, the Eviltron. I slapped that baby on top of his forklift, so okay, uh, you can't you can't you can't start it. <laughs> so and then his shop was haunted for a week. Oh yes, you can. I, I I eventually when the next time I saw his forklift outside, I I took it back off him. But it was my little way of saying, screw you, don't block our door. What, what I'm saying is, Paul, you can't start the story and then not finish it. <laughs> the evil he wants us to describe. All right, let's describe the evil. The evil Tron, Greg. The evil Tron is the same type of thing, but it has uh, it's a lot smaller. It's about the size of a quarter, a little thicker. It's basically just the size of, of a quarter, of a circuit board, and a speaker. And uh, same premise, you can magnetize this thing to any, any surface. And it has, oh, it has a little girl laughing. Right, there's a guy saying, a guy, hey, can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? Uh, it has uh, a door creaking. It has a knock. It, it, it's, it's basically your, your, your general haunting sounds. Right. And my story? Oh, <laughs> tell us, tell you us might as well tell your story. You might, I, I had, story. You might I had, want to clean up because we try to keep all right, it semi-non-explicit. I hid this on my wife, and I put it to the setting where it was going to say, Hey, can you hear me? Where did and you hide it? Where, did you, where it, did you put it, Greg? I hid it in our bedroom, not knowing that we were going to be intimate that evening. And it it went off. Like I said, it's a random time. And it went there was off. An, there was an extended extended seduction. An extended seduction. And it, it went uh, just as we were about to... Um, and join and, the act. And do the... Yeah. And uh, it went off. And <laughs> my wife was not happy. <laughs> it's the, one of the funniest things what, that's what ever it, happened it's, it's in the hey, bedroom. It said, hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Just as just as you're, just as we were most vulnerable, is that the best way to say it? <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. We still and, and about you still it. enjoy this product, even though it, it probably cost you an evening of. Uh, it, it took. It, it was an whoopee. evening. It was an evening <laughs> of backtracking and explaining. That's for sure. But it, um, but it was a lot of fun. She ended up lending it to all of her friends at school, uh, including. Uh, yeah, so that's the thing with these. The, once you've done a prank, uh, most people say, well, "Let me borrow that." Yeah, for like yeah. Three give, days. give me that thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. I don't even know where that is anymore because right. it's it's gone in the circle of friends. I do not. I gotta say, after doing it, it's funny. It's a great story, but I do not recommend you placing it inside the uh, SUV of a police officer. Uh, you may end up incurring the cost of him ripping out his dashboard and having to put a new one in. Yeah. You know, plus they have guns. We locked it. We locked out there. Right. And that was this week's uh, item of the week, which you can get at paulthebookguy.com slash thinkgeek. The Think Geek item of the week from thinkgeek.com. 
And on the line with us from all the way from North Carolina is Jimmy from freehollowbooks.com. Hello, Jimmy. Hey, hello. How's the book, guys? How's it, how's it going? We're good. We're excellent. Jimmy, how you got, how's things there? Things are great. Uh, just recovering from Labor Day weekend here as best uh, we can. Uh, same here. Labor Day in Canada as well. And uh, we hear that you wanted to give uh, away a free hollow book to uh, one of our listeners. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you know, you guys have uh, supported uh, free hollow books with all the mentions on the show. And, you know, we are freehollowbooks.com, so if, if we don't give away free hollow books, people start to really get mad. <laughs> right. Greg, you've, uh, you carry around a hollow book as a wallet, don't you? I, ca- I carry around the Spanish version of the Da Vinci Code. It's my wallet, and everywhere I go, people say, how can I get one of those? And I say, go to freehollowbooks.com. And I understand Paul's asked you, uh, Jimmy, for a hollow book to, cut, to, to hold his mixer. Is that project going along okay? <laughs> uh, that, that's, still, that's still in the planning stages, I believe. That's right. So you have to glue a whole bunch of them together We've for We've got to find you? a bunch of huge uh, books. It's going to look like a library. Pretty much. A little mini book mountain. So what was the, uh, what was the biggest book that you've uh, made into a hollow book? Well, uh, it's hard for me to judge what the biggest book that I've ever made into a hollow book is because I've made several, several cases that are uh, three and four and five and six books that have been hollowed out and okay. put together. Okay. And then I've made giant books uh, like one I just got finished for. A guy, and he will get it in the mail tomorrow. Uh, and he's in California. He's using this book as a proposal, which seems to be one of the most up-and-coming segments of the website. Yeah. Uh, okay. People who are, who are wanting to propose to their wife with a book, so either a ring hit <laughs> inside of it That's or brilliant. a note. That's fantastic. And this book, I had custom-made by a book binder in California. It's 17 inches tall by 13 inches wide, two inches thick, you know, leather cover, custom titling on it, uh, and I might as well just tell you, because uh, the show will probably be out uh, after the proposal happens. It's, the book was called How to Love a Librarian. Wow. Leather and this guy's marrying a librarian, or, or hoping to, and and the, the book is going to originally hold some... Uh, whatever, and his uh, engagement ring, and afterwards it's intended to be used as a case for her laptop. Excellent. Excellent. Brilliant. And uh, I noticed that in some of the big ones you've done, it's not just one book, it's 10 or 20 books put together. Yeah, several books together. Uh, when when I first started doing this you know, four or five years ago, I found an awesome set of uh, psychology books at the bookstore they were you know each book was almost two inches thick and there was three of those books and an index and i glued all those together once they were hollowed out so from top to bottom it was inside was big enough you could you could put a football inside of it (laughs) nice and i sold that to someone from uh, australia who ended up buying five or six books that i shipped all at one time and today that that's that's been the most expensive book that we sold. Now, the one I just got done, the librarian book, it, it was made by a book binder, and it was like $250 just to get the book produced. Wow. And then I had to hollow it out. Talk about being scared about messing up a book. Right. I get one off the free hollow shelf, free, or the free bookshelf, and mess it up. It's not a big deal, but yeah, leather, I mess this one up. A leather cover that's custom printed, you don't want to, uh, you can't make any mistakes. 
That's true. It's true. It's a one of a kind. So uh, I'm dying to know. I mean, not that I want you to give away trade secrets or anything, but uh, what is what's the process to make a hollow book? Well, I, I actually learned to do it on the uh, internet. There's a how to do stuff website. You're not gluing individual pages together. I just can't see that happening. <laughs> that's what everybody says. Everybody says that, and sometimes I'll tell people, "Yeah, that's what takes all the time." Yeah. Uh, but no, you glue the uh, the outside edges, sort of fan the pages back. Right. And I use um, a watered down Elmer's glue, and you brush on the pages, and you fan the pages back and forth. Do the top, do the bottom. Leave some pages that you don't want glued in the front. And then I, uh, I put a special paper called uh, wax paper in between the pages. <laughs> Highly the technical term there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, just contact me if you if you need supply. I, I know a guy. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> and then you press the book overnight. You know, okay. put some weight on it. I use old uh, car batteries and and just big pieces of steel that I've um, picked up. People throwing away. Press it, let it, uh, let it dry overnight. Then you decide what shape you're going to cut, and then lay it out with uh, just a ruler and a pencil. Start cutting. One of the big tricks that I learned uh, at the beginning is I was gluing the back. I was gluing the whole book together, and then cutting down to the back cover. When I realized it's a whole lot smarter to throw some wax paper in the back, and then you can cut from the back towards the front. Right. Because I'm doing this all with with just razor blade knives. Hand tools, yeah. Yeah, hand that's one thing I like about your done. books. You can tell they're, hand, they're handcrafted. Uh, they, you know, the time and care is put into each one. This is a, well, this the, is a fun little sideline for you. Uh, but hey, the, the calluses on my, on, my, uh, on my cutting hand would be evidence to the fact that these aren't being stamped out, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so how are we going to give away the, uh, the, the hollow book, Paul? What do you think? Uh, well, uh, Jimmy, how, do you, how are we giving away the hollow book? I say everywhere's listening to the show, if they go to freehollowbooks.com and you know, check out the webpage, go to our contact page and just send us an email. Say Excellent. You, you heard you're giving away a book on Paul the Book Guy, and we'll just pick a random winner. I'll ship it anywhere in the world. Brilliant. For free. I'm warning you, we got a lot of listeners in Saudi Arabia. I'm not even joking. Not, <laughs> that I'm shipping's going to cost you a fortune. I, I have shipped a book to Riyadh before, and uh, I think it got there faster than the one I sent up there to Soviet Kanakistan. It's <laughs> been yeah. lost in the mail That's, you got. Yeah, Canada Post, not the most reliable, my friend. So, Actually, yeah, you're probably Saudi Arabia Post, hey, it's, much it's better. It's that American border. Uh, they probably had to x-ray that book about eight times before right. they let it over. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, the, the things Yeah, lost. that's one of the things I tried to do uh, a few years ago. The last time I've been on a, was on a plane, it's been three or four years. I took a book with me, and I tried to get uh, the people to run it through the machine like a scanner. Well, they did, but I said, can I get a picture of your screen with the book in it, with the stuff inside of it? put on my website and they said no, no i don't think they'd be too happy about that no <laughs> <laughs> i need somebody to help me out with that if there's anybody out there who works for tsa i'll send you a free book if you can get me a picture of that all righty thank you very much for joining us today jimmy and uh we'll look forward to to hearing which one of our uh listeners won the free hollow book it was great talking to you guys if this works out maybe we'll uh give away a free book every month that would be spectacular brilliant Fantastic. thanks so much jimmy thank you jimmy all right you have, have a great day. labor day and take care of yourself Great talking to you. On uh, June 10th, 1991, when she was 11 years old, J.C. Lee Dugard, uh, who was born in 1980, was abducted from a school bus stop uh, within sight of her house in California. With witnesses. 
with witnesses, and she remained missing for more than 18 years, and uh, A Stolen Life is the story of her life. Of that captivity. Yes. It's, it's a hard read. Uh, the book came out uh, July 12th of this year. Yes. And I believe she finally achieved freedom on uh, 2009. Yes. After 18 years. And uh, it's a harrowing story. Yes. And, and there's a lot, of, there's just some hard passages to read. I think she, it's an important document. It is. I really do. There's excerpts from her diaries she wrote as a child. There's the resilience um, of the human spirit. And uh, we're, we're already tearing. Yeah. He hasn't even read this one. I haven't read I'm, it. Uh, I was warned not to read this. As the, as the resident father, uh, I was warned not to read this. I lent this book to a friend of mine who, who subsequently, like two days later, basically said, Greg, you can't read this book. She was reading it on the sub on the uh, train into work, and she had to use the the bathroom because she was crying so much. I gotta say, so. uh, I I can usually keep my composure, but uh, there's a I'm not gonna spoil the part that there's a part where I, I just hit me. Yeah, uh, it's tough, ulti- it's ultimately it's ultimately a victorious story. Yes, it's I mean, it's not a tale of a victim; it's a tale of a survivor, and she yeah. she reinforces that a few times throughout the book. She's still here. And uh, but I, Philip I, Garrido and his wife are in jail. So, uh, as we're, well, you know. And I, now I understand from what you're telling me that the system really let her down, and she explains that in, in several instances as well. That this isn't just the story about her, but it's also it outlines how she. Ooh, let's how let's, let's no, be careful about this. I, this isn't a. This is very much a uh, first person. Yeah. Narrative. I mean, she, understand that she's had a, no education except for basically television. So it's a very personal account. She relates the fact that parole officers came by right. this guy. This guy was on parole for sexually assaulting a woman. Right, and there, was, and there wasn't several, enough monitoring of him. And, and first charges. of all, if someone, this is where I don't get it, are the laws are the same in Canada and the US. If someone is that potentially dangerous, and, and now, nowadays they're starting to put GPS bracelets on them. Look, he had if you're that bracelet. much of an evil bastard, you shouldn't have a bracelet on you. You shouldn't have... People let's, visiting your house, not, your house should be a, a, a jail cell. The system, the system is uh, what it is. Yeah. Um, this guy slipped through the cracks. People are going to slip through the cracks. Um, the, the parole officers, the parole division in the state of California did not do their job correctly. And uh, the result was 18 years of captivity. And yeah. she had two children uh, with this fellow uh, who are her children to this day. And yeah. she's, she's she raising them, them and bravely and wonderfully. part of her family. Uh, it's a to to read the book. Um, it's I. It's a fascinating story of of captivity of the of the Stockholm syndrome. Yes, I was just about to say that that the because you you know sometimes you hear about stories like this and, and sadly there's there's been many cases like this throughout history, but um, you sit there wondering well why didn't she just leave Why didn't she do something about it And she I know had there's always a point in these abductions where where they end up you know, leaving the house and walking through malls and yep. going to parks. And you keep thinking, well, why doesn't she leave? But, but by that time, so psychologically yes. damaged by that point yes. that there's no consideration even of so, life outside of the captivity. So it's a hard read. There's, there's things that you can't forget after you've read it, but ultimately it's a, it's an, I'm not going to say a heartwarming story, but it's, it's an, an affirming story. Well, you know, the, the fact that she's here, she survived uh, in, in a, in a way towards the end, it is a heartwarming story. 
the way her children were accepted into she still has her a long family. Way to go. <laughs> you know, she has a long way to go, and she's, and she's healing. She's by no means a healthy person psychologically. And it, it does go through her reassimilation to her, her yes. family and yes. her initial family, her real family. Yes. Yes. Okay, that's good. Well, and, she, uh, she had a um, her mother is is and her sister are her family and an aunt, uh, but she, you know, somewhat of a sad story. You know, her mother. Her original father she never knew. She was living with a stepfather who was basically abusive to her. And then she gets abducted. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. So it's... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On uh, July 9th, uh, governor at the time, California, well, still governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, approved a $20 million settlement yeah. with JC. For the... Uh, for the poor performance of the, yes. of the parole system <laughs> And uh, they've made changes to the It was a settlement system. out of court. So are there new are there new laws yes. that they're basically deeming the the JC laws like you know sometimes kids get yeah. uh, fall, slip through the cracks and they get these laws that are basically named after them is there a JC law no, or not JC not that I can see but they they have there, made changes there were to reform, the, reforms to the parole system but not anything that would be specifically well, labeled the JC I'm glad you guys read this because this is the type of thing that I don't think I'd be able to unread and I don't need these things going through my head when I'm looking at my daughters when you have two daughters yes that yes. would be hard. <laughs> So thank you very much. You guys took that one for the team, and I took the uh, Millennium for the team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sh- she's now, um, part of her recovery process is uh, dealing with uh, companion animals, and there's a fun started in her name, and she's... That's actually uh, a shocking part of the book, eh, is with, yeah. without um, the friendship of cats and dogs and yeah. turtles and such, I mean, they were real a real psychological uh, crutch for her right. throughout her captivity. Probably her only true friends for 18 years, you know? It's just unbelievable. So now, of course, the, the animals are playing a very important part in her recovery, and she uh, has an, a foundation for you know injured and orphan animals, and she's doing therapy yeah. with horses, which is actually quite fascinating to read about. Yes. I always wonder, we've discussed this in relation to Paul Bernardo and, and uh, what was her name, uh, Carla Homolka. Carla Homolka. How two people, even if they have both have these horrible intents, how they ever sit down across a table and say, Oh, you want to abduct oh. a nine-year-old daughter, a nine-year-old girl? So did I. How, oh, wait, how did, wait for it. I ch- actually checked into this. I had the same notion that you did. How did Philip Garrido and Nancy Garrido right. get together? You want to know how they got together? Philip Garrido was in Leavenworth serving time for sexual assault. Right. Nancy Garrido was visiting, well, then I, I, her maiden name escapes me, was visiting her uncle in Leavenworth. He met her in prison. Okay, but even... Mm-hmm. This is what I'm saying. Even if they both have these predilections to do horrible things, how do they find each other? How do they? Well, I even think if they just answered your question. Find, she, even if she, they find she each knows other. that he's a rapist in prison. Yes, she's yes. seeked out him. And th- yes. There you go. That's, how does this conversation come up? How does he? How do you say to your wife, you know what, sweetie? I, you know, next week could we just go and abduct a nine-year-old daughter, yeah, a nine-year-old not, girl? Let's and, not make light of this. But let's not make light of this. I'm not making light of it. He is. I wanted. I want to know okay. how these things happen. I understand. How, I'm gonna, how I'm this gonna lay I think, I think I'm what Chris just this. said makes sense. The guy's already in jail for for molesting children. She seeked him out, met him at the jail. Yeah. So it wasn't like they. They were friends for a long time, and he just brought it up. But she but Greg has the same idea. How did these people get together him. in the first place? Yeah, we just have to lay this off on. There's millions and millions and millions of people in the world, and there's going to be a bad connection. Right. Every every three four million times, yeah. and this was one of them. Uh, now, normally we'd play an audible clip, but uh, the Jason. I'm so glad you read this and not me. You have no idea. This was tough. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Paul had to take off his headphones and take a rest. He's so upset. All right. That. Normally we play an audible clip, but uh, J.C. Dugard's uh, wishes are that uh, there be no preview of the book. Paul the Book Guy is brought to you by Audible. Go to paulthebookguy.com audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. Hey, this is Jeff Smith, the guy who does all the jingles from thejeffsmith.com, and you're listening to Paul the Book Guy. Okay, I just uh, had to play a couple jingles and stuff there because uh, we need, I, I needed a break. To be we honest to, with you, you guys are both go. visibly moved. Uh, I mean, Paul, uh, constant readers. Paul is uh, on yeah. the verge of tears, and Chris is the same thing. And although he looks a little bit more violent. <laughs> <laughs> It inspires. Yeah, let's not get into what. You yeah. know, there's so many emotions that book brings out, and one of them, yes, is definitely you want a couple of minutes. You really alone want to hit something with, these, with this, this couple that did wow. these things. Yeah. <sighs> Next week. Uh, Next week. Fall. Got, what do we got? Uh, the Handbook for Lightning Strike Survivors by Michelle Youngstone. I'm gonna put a review on the site and do that. I should probably have the uh, the memoirs of Jane Lynch done by then. Oh, beauty. Are we, do we have a live uh, spot and, coming up? And we are going to be recording on the Sunday uh, live. Recording live? That's right, from the Southside Shuffle in Port Credit. Uh, you're more than welcome to come by. We'll be easily identifiable. We'll be right by the Mississippi Queen Foods Catfish Shack. Can't miss it. It's a big green shack. Looks like it came right out of Mississippi. I think we're taking a coal cart of uh, audiobooks with us, too. That's right. Book Mountain to hand That's out. That's right. We'll be giving away audiobooks. We'll have some goodies to hand out, and uh, we'll be interviewing... Uh, Live at the at the fair, uh, Alec Carrick and Donna Carrick. Oh, and you'll be, you'll be able to see our hollow books as well. I'll have mine there. Paul will have his there. So if you so want to, what do I got to do to get a hollow book? I mean, that, what, I got to get on the hollow book train here. You should talk to Jimbo. It's, yeah, it's you got you know somebody, do you? I know a guy. <laughs> there is one on its way, Chris. I'm you know I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's on its way. And I think that we'll be recording episode twelve on the Sunday. We're not sure what our schedule will be, but uh, if you are around. Uh, Come visit us. Sunday, September 11th, Port Credit at the Southside Shuffle. Come on down and say hello. We'd like, love to meet some of our Ontario uh, listeners in we'll, person. We'll warn you right now. We don't look as good as we sound. That's right. We have uh, <laughs> we have faces for radio and voices for print, but we do it anyways because we love books, and uh, that's why we show up at Book Mountain every week. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up. Let's wrap right, it up. I'm Greg the Book Guy. I'm Chris the Book Guy. And I'm Paul the Book Guy. We'll see you next week. Same book time, same book channel.